everybody. <laughs> welcome back to the History Was podcast. Yes, welcome, welcome. Oh my goodness, another Sunday. I'm so excited. It's a three-day weekend right now. Yeah. Like, I need it. Even though I have been working, I don't know. It's like weirdly, I don't. I feel like a lot of stress from my working is that someone could IM me at any moment. <laughs> Where it's like, if you work on the weekends, it's like very chill. You can just sit there and I always make myself appear in a way because that way nothing would be worse, right? Than to be working on a Saturday and be like, hey, you're on. I have a question. Yeah, no, we don't do that. Yeah, so we stay in a way, and then we just get some things done that are just kind of time-consuming. And it's like, yeah, it sucks I'm working on a Saturday, but think but it makes your week of, better. Think of how much better the week might go because of this. So yeah, that's fair. Yeah, so I might do that after I do yoga. I got yoga today. Ooh, it's so exciting! It's candlelit. I'm kind of hoping they hand me a rock. Ooh, yeah, that like the yoga mm -hmm. studio up here that I'm going to. They uh. They give you sometimes hot rocks, sometimes cold rocks. It's yeah. fun. Uh, yeah, we. it's been a busy weekend, but it's been fun. Yeah, I just want to live out the otter dream that you did. Yeah, they. Uh, <laughs> I went to a yoga class and they gave us these chilled river rocks that were scented with essential oils. Mm -hmm. Whatever. They were so cold and chilly. And then she was like, I'm going to come around and give you a river rock. And I was like, okay. And then she gave us two river rocks. And so I just <laughs> had them in each of my hands. And I felt like an otter. Yes. It was great. For, for those of you that are not maybe otter-minded, um, otters have favorite rocks. And then they'll play with them and hide them in their little otter pockets. So That's what I yeah. did, too. Not really. <laughs> I, gave, I did give them back their rocks. It, yeah. I was very tempted to keep it with me, though. I might have to go to the river, get my own river rock. <laughs> We were out favorite. on the river yesterday, so it's been, the weather here has been great. And then yesterday, it was freezing cold and raining, and we had agreed to go out on a boat day with all of Michael's coworkers. Oh, right. And uh, it was truly awful. I'm but, sorry. But uh, there was one really awesome girl who uh, Michael's hat blew into the water, and she was like, don't worry. And she just dives in. She's like, I have too much energy anyway. And just okay. dove into this choppy ass water. The guy who's captaining the boat is like, she's not even wearing a life vest. <laughs> I was gonna. I have so many notes on the your last two sentences. <laughs> One, sorry for you. It was choppy and rainy and cold, but like for me, <laughs> excellent. No, boating. so we were getting doused with water, like it was choppy enough. So we're on a pontoon boat that did not have edges. So when a wave comes, it's just in the boat now. What a horrible pontoon boat. And so we were like, <laughs> what? Edges. Like, we we had moments where it was like, is this going to capsize? Like, oh, no. it was very not a great time. And then oh. Michael and I uh, were late because of who we are as people. And so we were at the front of the boat. So every wave uh -huh. just, and it was like taller oh. than us sitting down was like what we were getting swamped with. And the water was <laughs> the warm. Is like, hello, hi. <laughs> well, yeah, and the water is warm because it had been hot out. Mm -hmm. And then yesterday morning, 63 degrees. So yeah, you're getting so... hit with the warm water and then you're going through and In just the wind. freezing. Yeah, you, that probably should have been rescheduled. Um, yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> I went outside yesterday and it's Memorial Day weekend. We're still in Florida. Um, obviously, you would have been colder because you're more north. But I walked outside and... Like, my brain glitched like it was the Matrix. It's Memorial mm -hmm. Day weekend. It is supposed to be approximately 500 degrees outside. And it was, I think, maybe 80 degrees. I was like, why is it so cold out? Mm -hmm. Which yeah, for so me, that's like, it's why is it cold? Yesterday, the high was like 70-something. Yeah. And then this morning, we opened up all the windows in the house because it was just beautiful out. In May. Yeah, I Wild. was like, what privilege is this? Right? Oh, my god! It, it yeah. was cool, um, but yeah, we ended up going out go after. Get... Huh? Yeah. I was say, very good of that girl to go get Michael's hat. Yeah, I could it was see very why the captain nice would be having a mild panic attack. Um, She's not in life best. Yeah, I have always wanted to be the person that would dive into the ocean because I love 
that idea. Well, so it, it, we were in a river. It wasn't the ocean. We were in St. John's oh, well, I will never want to be a person who dives in a river in Florida. Yeah, it was. Uh, she was very brave. And then she got back in the boat. She was like, that was a really bad idea. Really? Like, <laughs> yeah, maybe. She's like, I should calm down. <laughs> like she was just hyped for boat day. I got you. Yeah. And uh, we ended up. Everyone was like, yeah, we're going to go out after this, blah, blah, blah. Because uh-huh. uh, we called it early because no one was having a good time. Well, it's cold. And it's wet. Yeah. And it wasn't like a little wet like you would normally be on a boat. We were soaked mm-hmm. to the bone. You you guys went down the big slide on Splash Mountain five times in a row. Yeah. <laughs> and so uh, we all ended up, everyone went back to their respective houses. Everyone napped, everyone showered, rejoined the group chat three hours later, and we're like, so, dinner? And uh, we ended up going to... a timeout. Yeah, but we ended up going to this really cool place called Riverside Liquors, and we walk in. People had recommended it to us before. I did not trust them, because I was like, I'm sorry, you're sending me to a package liquor store. Wait. To meet for dinner and cocktails. This is the place next to the bin and board? No. No. Bin and board. Bin and something? What? The wine place. No. The one I met you at. No. What is the name of this place? Okay. It's called Riverside Liquors. No, the place, the wine place I met you at. Oh, that is called Corks and Barrels. Bin and board. I think, oh, that's here. That's in, that's yeah, here. I was like, what here. are you talking about? Um, no, okay, yeah. Because last night when we were texting, you were like, we're at the cat place. It's right next to the wine place. And I was like, oh, okay. No, no, no. So we, uh, the cat place is in a different area of town. That's at an arcade. I got you. The cat, okay. yeah. Uh, so there is a bathroom and I had sent Morgan photos of it because it's you just can see why this purely on my priority list. cat decor. Um, but so next to that, though, is um, this package liquor store, like where you just go buy your alcohol. And yeah, people are like, oh, vibes. you have to go there for drinks. And I'm like, I'm not drinking at a liquor store. Like we have those in Tampa. They're not nice. Yeah, they're you walk, and we hate them. Yeah. You walk through this place and it's like this adorable little speakeasy in the back. They make fantastic cocktails. They have fantastic food. And so definitely taking right. you when we go. Um, All right, or well, when you're back up. But. June 10th, I think. Yeah. So. so speaking of drinks, though, what are you drinking? Well, I actually made one. What did you make? I made a drink, too. I love that we didn't even discuss this. We did not. Look at my pretty cup. Look at your pretty this cup. This is look. one of my prized possession cups. It's uh, gorgeous. My husband's grandmother gave it to me for Christmas once. Um, so there's a cinnamon stick in it. You can see it's pretty Ooh. glass um, for stirring. This, I uh, made it beforehand, um, and I just named it the Skull and Bones, and it is approximately, if you were to eyeball it, a shot of Four Roses bourbon and then apple cider, and then you stir it with the cinnamon stick. Yes. So good. Mm -hmm. I have, I don't know if you can tell, it's very pink. I had leftover watermelon because we did not eat Mm -hmm. on the freezing cold boat. And... Oh, did you also pick up that buy one get one at public? Yep. So I uh, juiced, like ran the watermelon through a blender to yeah. get watermelon juice mm-hmm. and tequila. And again, eyeballing about a shot of tequila <laughs> and lime juice. And I haven't tried it yet, but. I already knew mine was going to be good. I mean, it's... yeah. Yes, this is. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if the, the freshness usually always makes it better. Um. I had so many juice options. Silver rum would have been better. Oh, and tequila. I get that. But I had about a I shot left of tequila yeah. in the bottle. Well, and I was like, well, let's clear this out. Right. Yeah, I've been so I've been on the mocktail game and I've been making it for the for Logan and Spencer these the last couple of weeks because they're like, what is this devil magic? So. I was going originally I was going to uh, do this, but I'll probably I might save it for the next one because I have I have an orange mango juice. I have strawberry lemonade and then I've been mixing those and then topping it with mango um, fizzy water. Mm-hmm. And that is the bomb dot com. But now I was going to put some uh, vodka in it. But 
I also had apple cider and I was like, I don't know when we're going to get this drunk. So let's just let's use yeah. that. And, also, and it was almost chilly out. So yeah, an apple you know. and bourbon cider. I'm, I mean, come on. It's you can't go wrong. Know. Yeah. It's delicious. Um, yep. So today we are doing an apology tour uh, mm -hmm. for the men we terrorized in the last episode with uh, <laughs> when we were explaining we were singing until 6 a.m. Mm -hmm. uh, and then the next morning they had suggestions for the podcast and it wasn't to shove it up our asses. So <laughs> uh, we appreciate that. And we will be doing the requests for Michael and Eric today. Oops. And yep. uh, I think you go first. I do. I do. So <laughs> sorry, guys. But yes, <laughs> I shall tell you if you're not sick of my voice, a story. Um. So admittedly, I knew zero things about this uh, not cult that I'm covering today. Um, I tried to reach out to a source, that source being my mom, because she does love uh, herself a conspiracy theory. But it, of course, wrapped back to a pizza parlor in D.C. So I was like, I left my body at that moment <laughs> um, <laughs> and went back to a tried and true source, Wikipedia. Very and nice. with that, I shall tell you uh, that I'm covering the infamous Skull and Bones Society uh, for my, my drink. Dun, dun, dun. I, I, yes. Um, so it is. So what it what it is, is an undergraduate senior, not so secret student society at Yale University, which is located in New Haven, Connecticut. It is the oldest senior class society at the university, but it is not the only secret society at the school. The Skull and Bone Society is one of the big three societies at Yale. The other two being Scrolling Key and Wolf's Head, which Ooh. are way better names for clubs. Like, I would never want to join Phi Alpha, whatever the fuck, but I would 100% <laughs> join a club called Scrolling Key. <laughs> Um, You're like, I don't want to be Greek for shit, but I do want to be a spooky bitch. Get me a skull yeah. and a key and a skull and a bone. Right? Let's go. Yeah. So and no shade if you if, if I alpha means anything to anyone. I literally just put two Greek letters together and I don't know if that means anything. It was like phi omega. I was like, last thing I want to do is pick one and like people like shade, boo, hiss. I'm like, I literally have no but idea. They'll, they'll be fine. <laughs> no, it was not targeted. Um, if you uh, are in the Greek community and, uh, I don't know, pay for your friends, feel free to pay for this podcast. You can find us at <laughs> patreon.com slash history woes. We'd appreciate you it. You can. You can do that. And then be like, Morgan, now you have to cover the history of my fraternity. I'm like, I really guess I have to. <laughs> also of note, though, according to Business Insider of Yale's now 41 secret societies, I uh, so many secret is such a fast and loose term in this story the skull and bones is only the fifth richest with four million one hundred and twenty nine thousand nine hundred thirty six dollars in assets as of 2015 wow. so again secret secret but we know like to the dollar amount there anyway so secret. <laughs> to, to jump into the history of the society skull and bones it was founded in 1832 after a dispute among some Yale debating societies, the Linonia, the Brothers in Unity, and the Calopian Society over that season's Phi Beta Kappa Awards. And I can only assume <laughs> these guys were like, well, we'll start our own club and you're not invited. Love so it. William Huntington Russell and Alfonso Taft co-founded the Order of the Skull and Bones. And the first senior members included those two and 12 other members. Alternative names for the Skull and Bones Order are The Order, Order 322 or 322, and The Brotherhood of Death, which, like, cut back to the first episode of Our Flag Means Death, and all the yeah. guys were working on their own names and flags. Except, I guess, the Skull and Bones never settled on one name. I love um, it. Did they make flags? I hope they made flags. They do have a, a kind of a flag. Yeah. Like a, their symbol. Their symbol. Is it like a Jolly Roger or is it? It looks a lot like the Jolly Roger. Okay. So the society's assets are managed by its alumni organization, the Russell Trust Association, incorporated in 1856 and named after the Bones co-founder. 
The association was founded by Russell and Daniel Coit Gilman, another Skull and Bones member. The first extended description of Skull and Bones was published in 1871 by Lyman Bagg. In his four I'm years I'm sorry, what Yale, was that person's name? Lyman, L-Y-M-A-N, last name Bagg, B-A-G-G. <laughs> it's not a good name. He sounds uh, like a <laughs> hobbit. He does kind of sound like a hobbit, yeah. Sorry. Um, anyway, go on. There's a bunch of names in this story, so <laughs> steal yourself. But in his book, Four Years at Yale, he noted that, quote, the mystery now attending its existence forms the one great enigma which college gossip never tires of discussing. Skull and Bones selects new members among students every spring as part of Yale University's Tap Day and has done so since 1879. Since the society's inclusion of women in the early 1990s, better late than never, I guess. We'll get into more of that later. Um, Skull and Bones selects 15 men and women of the junior class to join the society of Skull and Bones. And it taps those that it views as campus leaders and other notable figures for its membership. And again, the fact that this much information is available really should disqualify <laughs> the club as secret. But I digress. the number 322 or two or 322 appears in Skull and Bones insignia and is widely reported to be significant as the year of Greek orator, and I'm going to try my best, uh, Dem Demosthenes, or Demosthenes? Uh, so it was, it was when he died. It was the year he died. Um, okay. Yeah, I guess. I don't know. So we've a letter got between... Demo. And... Yeah, Demo, yeah. So a letter between early society members in Yale's archives suggests that in 322, it was a reference to the year 322 BCE and that members measured dates from this year instead of the common era. Whatever. Way to just be annoying. Oh, it gets worse. <laughs> <laughs> so in so in the year 322 BC, the Lamian War ended with the death of Demo and Athenians were made to dissolve their government and establish a plutocratic system in, in its stead, whereby only those possessing 2,000 drachmas or more could remain citizens. So I guess they're like, ah, rich people. I don't know. You should have thought about that before you became peasants. Right? They're like, well, now we you have, have no money. citizenship. <laughs> exactly. Documents Wild. in the tomb. Yeah. Documents in the tomb, which we'll cover in a minute, have purportedly been found to uh, dated to Anno Demosthenes or Demosthenes. Uh, so after that guy. Members also measure time of day. According to a clock, five minutes out of sync with normal time, which is called barbarian time. Um, That's what I run on. Right. <laughs> no, Pigeon is not five minutes out of sync. So uh, I wrote here, a society that requires you to constantly do math. If you look at a normal clock, no, thank you. But who among these lucky bonesmen, as they're called, um, <laughs> Who are nerds? I love right. it. <laughs> well, someone wrote down a little something about how you might become a member. In 1968, Lanny Davis wrote in that year's Yale yearbook what the ideal group would look like. And I am going to paraphrase here because his listing was written in the 1960s and it showed. Um, but this is the list. A football captain, a chairman of the Yale Daily News, a conspicuous radical. Ooh. A whiffin' poof. Pardon which me? Is... <laughs> I'm sorry, this is you paraphrasing? Yeah. But also, a what is a... What? A whiffin' poof is a member of the Yale Acapella Group. That's still around. <laughs> That's their name? That's their name. How the embarrassing. Oh, man. Oh, They're these... all Hufflepuffs. And Exactly. Well, I don't know. It's like Hufflepuff um, adjacent. Yeah, yeah, right. Uh, a swimming captain, a notorious drunk with a 94 app, a filmmaker, a political columnist, a religious group leader, a chairman of the Lit, which was the Yale Literary Magazine, a foreigner, a ladies' man with two motorcycles. Ooh. And, and if you've got one motorcycle, you're out. 
um, an ex-serviceman, a black man, and if there were enough spots to go around, a guy nobody else in the group had heard of ever. So that guy's my favorite. Right. I was like, there's only a couple of spots I would qualify here. Actually, none at, in 68, but still. Yeah. Well, we're like, who's Steve? And <laughs> no one knows. And they're like, like damn it, Steve, you're in the fucking club. <laughs> oh, no, what luck. <laughs> so, Like other Yale senior societies, Skull and Bones membership was almost exclusively limited to white Protestant males for much of its history. This next part may come as what? some of a shock. Uh, while, while Yale itself had exclusionary policies directed at particular ethnic and religious groups. The senior societies were even more exclusionary. What? Catholics, right? I know, crazy. Catholics were usually on the outs of joining the groups, but some were able to join. Jewish people, more often than not, were not able to join. The easiest way for people who were not white Protestant men to join was through sports. So... Star football players tapped for skull and bones included the first Jewish player, Al Hesberg, class of 1938, and Levi Jackson, the first African-American to captain an Ivy League football team. He was class of 1950, and he turned down the skull and bones for the Berzelius Society. Good for him. Um, and he became the first African-American member of a Yale secret society and would later become a high-ranking executive at the Ford Motor Company. Oh, Cool. Yeah, so good for him. Fuck skull and bones. Um, for reasons I'm going to get into. I have reason for my hatred now. Um, as I mentioned, documents from Skull and Bones have been found in the tomb, which is the name of the hall where the group meets. And when I say hall, like these words, they they invoke images of tiny things. Picture mansion, though. It's a mansion. Yeah. The building was built in three phases. The first wing was built in 1856, the second wing in 1903. And neo-goth towers were added to the rear garden in 1912. The 1912 tower additions created a small enclosed courtyard in the rear of the building. Um, and it was designed by Everts Tracy, a uh, bonesman, and Edgerton Swartwout. Yep, the These names. names. Sorry, I, I was mid-drink. These names. <laughs> yeah. Um... The Society also owns and manages Deer Island, which is an island retreat on the St. Lawrence River. Alexandra Robbins, author of a book on Yale Secret Societies, wrote, The 40-acre retreat is intended to give Bonesmen an opportunity to get together and rekindle old friendships. A century ago, the island sported tennis courts and its softball fields were surrounded by rhubarb plants and gooseberry bushes. So nice. Sounds delicious. Maybe not the rhubarb, but gooseberry. Mm -hmm. Yale became co-educational in 1969, which, for a second, let's take in that some of the greatest minds in the country, apparently, only allowed women in 1969. That's only 54 years ago. Your parents are probably older than that. Mm -hmm. Anyway, the college becoming co-ed prompted some other secret societies, such as St. Anthony Hall, to transition to co-ed membership. Yet Skull and Bones remained fully male until 1992, which is younger than me and probably most of our listeners. Mm -hmm. um, though not all Bones classes from 1969 to 1992 were happy with that. The Bones class of 1971, um, they attempted to tap women from membership and they were opposed by Bones alumni and the alumni dubbed those members as the bad club. Quote, the issue, as it came to be called by Bonesman, was debated for decades. The class of 1991 tapped seven female members for membership in the next year's class, causing conflict with the Alumni Association. The trust changed the locks on the tomb, and the Bonesmen instead met in the Manuscript Society building. A mail-in vote by members decided 368 to 320 to permit women into the society. But a group of alumni led by William F. Buckley obtained a temporary restraining order, order to block the move, arguing that a formal change in bylaws was needed. What? Oh, we Other alumni. Okay. 
It is they, for your silly is, little club. Right. And I kind of appreciate, though, I imagine the original members kind of didn't like women either. I do appreciate that they kind of went back to their roots and were like, fine, then we'll make our own club. We'll meet over here. Um, I feel like this is what, and it probably is, I just hadn't heard of this. Um, mm -hmm. You watched the new Wednesday series, Wednesday Adams. I did. Yeah. I think that's what her club at school was based on. Probably. So I'm there's probably like a lot of them where it's like based on this. I think this is probably because she went to Yale. Uh, probably what in Gilmore Girls Rory was doing when she went to Yale. She joined like the little secret club of, of billionaire oh, kids. Oh, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. And they did all kinds of crazy shit. Um, so yeah, probably like there's there's a lot of shit that's based on this club. It's I don't know. Yeah, it appears <laughs> a lot of fiction. <laughs> Other alumni such as John Kerry and R. Inslee Clark Jr. spoke out in favor of admitting women. The dispute was highlighted on an editorial page of the New York Times. A second alumni vote in October 1991 agreed to accept the class of 1992, and the lawsuit was dropped. Yikes. Yeah. Bonesmen continue on with being problematic. Have also mm -hmm. had a reputation for stealing from other Yale societies. They have allegedly stolen the skulls of Martin Van Buren, Pancho Villa, and Geronimo. <laughs> Geronimo was a famous and important leader of the, I'm doing my best with pronunciation here, uh, Bendonk. Band of the Narandi uh, Apache people. It's a it's a group of the Apaches people, but that's like a huge group of people and a huge group of land. Mm -hmm. So it's like it'd be weird just be like the Apache people. Um. Anyway, it said that Prescott Bush, which is George H. W. Bush's father, supposedly broke into his grave around the time of World War One. There you go. It's now an official episode. Yay. And stole stole his skull and two femur bones. Um, in nineteen twenty-eight, the army covered Geronimo's grave with concrete and provided a stone monument, which makes any kind of possible examination of remains difficult. In two thousand nine, Geronimo's descendants charged the society with the theft of his remains. The court dismissed the case because of course they did. Um mm -hmm. I will say also, though, I'm like the other like half of this. Uh, Jeff Hauser, chairman of the Forts of the Fort Sill Apache tribe in Oklahoma, calls the story a hoax. So, yeah, I mean, I don't know if it's true. This is there's a lot of conspiracy around these guys. But I will take this moment to say that if any Bonesman is listening and I doubt that you are. But if you are and if you have that skull, you give it back. You get your you skulls put, from Target. You put that back where you found it. Exactly. Yeah, dig up the concrete and report. We know you got the money. <laughs> um, which, on that note, among prominent alumni are former President and Chief Justice William Howard Taft, who was the son of the founder, Alfonso Taft, former presidents and father and son, George H.W. Bush, George W. Bush, and of course, as you just found out, H.W. Bush's father, Prescott, who may or may not be a douchebag, Chauncey Depew, president of the New York Central Railroad System. That uh, and a is United the most States obnoxious name York. we've had so far. Chauncey Depew, yeah, it is. Um, Juan Terry Tripp, founder and CEO of Pan American World Airways, or Pan M, which was really big at one point. Mm -hmm. uh, Joseph Gibson Hoyt, the first chancellor of Washington University in St. Louis. Supreme Court Justices Morrison R. Waite and Potter Stewart. James, Jesus, or maybe Jesus Angleton. I don't probably. know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, and I, that's what I kept going with. His name is James Angleton. So I was like, maybe his mother's. And I was like, Jesus, I don't know. James Jesus Angleton. Who goes by, though, mother of the Central Intelligence Agency. I did not have time to look further into why they called him the mother and not the father. Y'all get back to me. <laughs> And then there was That's Henry weird. Stimson, U.S. Secretary of War from 1940 to 1945, which is a rather busy time for America in war. Um, Robert A. Lovett, U.S. Secretary of Defense from 1951 to 1953. William B. Washburn, Governor of Massachusetts. Henry Luce, founder and publisher of Time, Life, Fortune, and Sports Illustrated magazines. 
John Kerry, former U.S. Secretary of State and former U.S. Senator. Stephen A. Schwartzman, founder of Blackstone Group. Austin Goolsby, chairman of Barack Obama's Council of Economic Advisors. Harold Stanley, co-founder of Morgan Stanley. And Frederick W. Smith, founder of FedEx. They are all reported to be members. Oh, man. Mm-hmm. And to go with this it. This is a terrible Andrew, secret society. I cannot stress this enough. Because I'm about to go into more detail. Members are assigned nicknames. Like, and I guess some are just like, they keep going. Like some like never, like they just stay with because the first one that was mentioned was long, long, like, like a length, long devil for the tallest member. I guess that's just your name now. Um, <laughs> they said you a long ass bitch. <laughs> exactly. Thank you. Boaz or Boaz, which is the varsity football captain or, uh, Sheriff or Sheriff, Prince of Future. Many of the chosen names are drawn from literature, religion, and myth. Members Avril Harriman was Thor. Henry Luce was Baal. This guy's name was McGeorge. McGeorge Bundy was Odin. And George H.W. Bush almost spit was... out my drink. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah, his name was McGeorge. Um... And then George H.W. Bush was Magog. And <laughs> I looked it up. <laughs> I looked it up. And it looked like it was from the Old Testament. It was like a Jewish, of Jewish name descent. Like, it seemed to be like a, a character in Old Testament who was Jewish. And I was like, I don't think the Bushes are Jewish. Maybe I'm wrong. No, <laughs> but, but I, I mean. But yeah, Magog. It's. The Old um, Testament's part of their book, too, though, if you're a Christian. Fair enough. So. Fair enough. Fair enough. I don't know how you get that name. I don't know if that's only his name. If everybody needs to have that name from the 15 members, that I don't know how it works. That, that part's a He secret. drew the short straw. <laughs> right. You're Magog. Sorry. Weird to pick um, a Jewish name, though, if you're not allowing Jews allow into the society. Jewish. Yeah, I don't know. Very strange. I had a lot of questions. I had a lot of questions. In 2004, in the U.S. presidential election, both the Democratic and Republican nominees were alumni. George W. Bush wrote in his autobiography, quote, In my senior year, I joined Skull and Bones, a secret society. So secret, I can't say anything more. When asked what it meant that he and Bush were both bonesmen, former president candidate John Kerry said, Not much, because it's a secret. <laughs> Tim <laughs> Tim Russert on Meet the Press asked both President Bush and John Kerry about their membership of Skull and Bones, to which the president replied, it's so secret we can't talk about it. And Kerry replied, you trying to get rid of me here? And again, I, I'm not certain whether keeping a secret, to be honest, but all right. Um, perhaps <laughs> it leads to the conspiracy theories. Dun, dun, dun. Um, the group Skull and Bones is featured in books and movies which claim that the society plays a role in a global conspiracy for world control, which to dissect for a moment is also the same thing people say about Jewish people, Mm -hmm. the Illuminati, which we'll get to. Um, And also let us not forget the lizard people. You know what, you know about the lizard people, right? That conspiracy theory. No. Oh no. I'm so sorry to be the one to tell you this. It's upsetting. So, the conspiracy theory is, if you are taking a drink, I would suggest you not. No, I um, put it down. <laughs> is that there is a secret race of people that are, in fact, actually lizard people. I don't remember if they're like, oh, they have like a hologram over their face. So they have to do like really, really good makeup tutorials. But <laughs> like they're lizard people. And that included very high up people in governments and including queen elizabeth <laughs> was a lizard person i've got to get so her skincare like... routine then because like i look scaly sometimes so <laughs> it seems to be a common theme for secret societies that they're like they're planning world domination and it's like i mean they're not entirely wrong here with the skull and bones i mean when you look at the list of people who were running it but... mine has a similar thing yeah and so it's like, if they're not wrong in that they're definitely trying to have a boys and girls club now, 
that can like be in charge of everything. You're right in that, but not in the way that you think. Um, but yeah, so I don't know. They also say there's rumors that they Skull and Bones controls the CIA and that Skull and Bones is a branch of the Illuminati, having been found by German University alumni following the order's suppression in their native land. And by the way, I don't know if you all know this, but perhaps the only thing less secret than Skull and Bones might be the Illuminati. <laughs> they actually have a public website where you can apply for membership. So to quote the great Queen Bee, y'all haters corny with that Illuminati mess. And that is my story on the Skull and Bones Society. That's amazing. And also, I think we should all go apply and become members of the Illuminati. Illuminati, yeah. I think should. that would we be should. fun. I don't see why not. I, I mean, it. it's just out there for anybody. Anyone can join. So I feel like the life path for a lot of the men from the Skull and Bone Society is to join what I'm about to talk about. Mm -hmm. So first, I'm going to need you to picture it. You don't die this time. I'm thrilled. But for a moment, picture it. Mm -hmm. It's the 60s. You're hiking through the redwoods in California, and you are just awestruck by the beauty all around you. I would definitely be. This sounds like me. You pass a road, and somehow you miss the no trespassing sign that's posted, and you keep hiking. Well, of course I miss it. I'm looking up at all these trees. It starts to get dark. The fog is starting to roll in, and you're trying to find a good spot to set up your tent. You notice mm. a bonfire in the distance, so you get closer. It's yeah, a huge bonfire. Mm -hmm. As you approach, you realize there's people standing around it. And all of those people are wearing cloaks. Uh-oh. Black, red, and silver. Uh-uh. In the bonfire is a coffin. Oh. Mm -mm. And behind it, you see a statue of an owl. That is three elephants high. They have my attention again. I was turning around. I'm like, oh, I got to go read commune with these trees. Is that an owl? <laughs> One of the men in the cloaks removes his hood. Uh-oh. And you're close enough to see who it is. Oh, no. And he is. Hello. I'm so sorry. <laughs> What's that? Your Voldemort impression? <laughs> Okay, no, it's not Rick Scott, uh, but it is. Oh, it, it could be. I bet it could be. Tricky Dick. It's Richard fucking Nixon. Oh shit! So you have all of my attention. I am hiding behind a redwood. I'm here for it. Today we are talking about the Bohemian Grove. Mm -hmm. Is that the name of your drink? It is now. <laughs> so the Bohemian Grove. Is basically a weird ass, super secret, <laughs> invite only summer camp for some of America's most elite men. Mm. For two weeks, every July, this camp hosts the rich and powerful for the He Man Woman Haters Club, where they mm. have secret talks, shitloads of drinking, theater performances, and maybe some occasional druid worship, depending on who you talk to. Yeah, that seems to be a pretty common thing between these things, too. It's just like, there's sacrifices. I'm like, I doubt it. <laughs> but, you know, who am I to say? I wasn't there. It is 2,700 acres of redwoods in Monterio, California, near the Russian River. Mm -hmm. It was originally founded as a retreat for those living a more bohemian lifestyle, hence the name. Mm -hmm. At its founding in 1872... It was frequented by actors, stagehands, musicians, and writers. Mark Twain was a notable early member. Okay. In 1878, when its founder, Harry Edwards, moved to New York City for better acting prospects, he organized an event to return every summer, where he and a hundred of his closest friends would go back to the Grove, party their asses off, and enjoy themselves in all the way theater nerds love to do. Oh, shit. The camp motto is a line from A Midsummer Night's Dream, weaving spiders come not here. Basically meaning that it's supposed to be fun and you leave business at the door. It means triplers need not fly. Exactly. It's said to be for men who appreciate the outdoors, 
music, and theater. But the organization that was founded by and for Bohemians was shortly overrun by businessmen from San Francisco who had the means to expand the grounds, buying property, and they became the bulk of the membership. Two thumbs way, way down. Agree. It's always been a he-man woman haters club. No girls allowed. There's never been an official female member. Although a few women were granted honorary membership, the last of those died in 1928. So if you get honorary membership, do you still get to go have fun and see the owl, though? We talk about it. You, okay. you do get to go on grounds if you were an honorary member, but there has not been an honorary female member living since 1928. Yeah, that all checks out. So in order to visit, you either have to be a member or invited by a member. The guest list for the specific summer camp is extremely limited due to the number of cabins. Mm -hmm. As of 2007, there were 118 beds between several camps. Mm -hmm. Some of the highlights of these ridiculous-ass camp names are The Hillbillies, keywords, The Stowaway, The Owl's Nest, and The Lost Angels. Okay, all right. Well, I know which one I want to be a part of. I mean, that owl's nest. (laughs) In addition to the residential cabins, there are some other features. There's the Grove Stage, an amphitheater with seating for 2,000, and the stage extends up into the hillside. What do you need 2,000 fucking seats for? There's no, there ain't 2,000 people coming. Uh, so not everyone stays there. You're allowed to have visitors uh, like during the day and stuff. Only the elite get to stay in the owl's nest. Mm-hmm. There's Field Circle, which is a bowl-shaped amphitheater. Campfire Circle has a campfire pit in the middle surrounded by redwood log benches. It's used for smaller performances in a more intimate setting. There's a museum stage, the dining circle, which seats 1,500 people. In the a clubhouse. circle? Mm-hmm. It's a, so table. it's a dining room. I think it just may be a room. Oh, I thought it's just one big-ass round. I was like, damn, that's a small. <laughs> It takes you 30 minutes to walk to your seat. I hope it's not a buffet. (laughs) There's the clubhouse that was completed in 1904 on a bluff overlooking the Russian River, which also is a multi-purpose dining, drinking, and entertainment building. And there is the Owl Shrine and the Lake, which is an artificial lake in the interior of the grove used for afternoon concerts. It's also the location of the 12.30 p.m. daily lakeside talks. These talks that are totally and absolutely not remotely business-related have been given over the years by entertainers, professors, astronauts, business leaders, cabinet officers, CIA directors, future and former presidents. I call bullshit. And that's also where our opening scene took place. Yeah, um, I posit that if this was women of similar stature and it was a group where no men were allowed they would be strapped up in some white bonnet so fast (laughs) (laughs) oh i'm sorry you're having a little you're having a little group with fun names like the owl's nest there's an owl there's a fire burner burn them all they're witches you would never be allowed to have something this cool nope we could try though we'd have to tell everyone secret though i mean yeah. Um, so what you were observing in the opening was called The Cremation of Care. Originally, it was a play first performed on site in 1881 by members, four members, where the spirit of care was killed by hijinks. Without care, hijinks was free to ensue. I almost spit out my drink when you said the cremation of care. I was like, that is like me on 10 o'clock every Monday. (laughs) Burning every care. care. Let's get hijinks going. This was supposed to be a representation of the the spirit of the club. Check your cares at the door. Mm -hmm. In 1913, this event became separate from the other plays that would occur throughout the two-week period. It would be held on the first night of camp. And it was said to be an exercising of the demon to ensure the success of the ensuing two weeks. Well, 
It's also been said that this tradition is a sacrifice to the owl statue and to the trees to ensure a good and happy camp, which yeah, just a little druid <laughs> worship, but whatever. It's a little. Exercising the demon is what I do on Friday nights. <laughs> demons get ready to sleep for and two sun- days. Sundays. <laughs> <laughs> There's also the annual Grove Play, which is a full-scale theater production performed by members, four members, and includes up to 300 members between the orchestra, chorus, cast, and stagehands. Ooh, so that's like full-on original OG Midsummer Night's Dream then. That, all huh. thems is dudes. Uh-huh. I would like, give Richard me three Nixon. seconds, I will meet you there. Okay. Uh, yeah, the stage you. has gone on every year since 1902, with an exception for World War II. There we mentioned both World Wars were good. Current estimates for the cost of production are around $150,000. All right. And I should note, the roles of both men and women are performed by members, meaning the men act as women. I'm going to go ahead and say you heard it here first. Former member Ronald Reagan was a drag queen. 1,000 fucking You won't be convincing me otherwise. Um, I imagine they were real thrilled. They're like, can we get some honorary women? <laughs> can we have anyone else? I don't want Richard Nixon to play Titania this time. I know he was after 1928, but still, that would just be hilarious. But like, but no, I don't want William Taft to be. I just really love picturing Ronald Reagan, all of his acting prowess. Right. Up there. Right. In full drag. Mm -hmm. In full drag. Yeah. Full full drag. I love that. I am considering plays that were very popular at this time and then just thinking about. Well, and so this goes on, right? This still happens today. That's, yeah, exactly. Today. (laughs) Oh, oh, I hope they've done Grease. (laughs) I'm so curious. Well, so I think they do like original performance where they did the sound of music. Oh, maybe that would be beautiful. Was Maria, all of them dressed up as nuns. I'm sorry, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, anti drag legislation, yay! Yeah, whatever. Yeah, this story gives me life. <laughs> and speaking of World War II, remember when I said that there were definitely no business dealings that occurred here, especially yeah. not with these billionaire businessmen mixing with these mm-hmm. politicians. Mm-hmm. And maybe potentially, definitely some Supreme Court justices looking at you, you absolute piece of shit, Clarence Thomas. But I digress. Back yeah. to the point. World War II. Mm-hmm. Remember that little thing known as the Manhattan Project? I was just going to say, I was like, well, I don't want to fuck up her story, but I bet the Manhattan Project was agreed upon here. You know, the, if you didn't know where we dreamt up uh, nuclear weapons, mm-hmm, that was mm-hmm. dreamt up here at Bohemian Grove in the fucking Mm -hmm. clubhouse Mm -hmm. in 1942 in a meeting with nuclear physicist Ernest Lawrence, theoretical physicist J. Robert Oppenheimer, and Mm -hmm. the S-1 committee heads to include the presidents of Harvard, Yale, Princeton, and executives from Standard Oil and General Electric. Mm. But that was totally just a one-time thing, and that was the only ever scheduled business meeting there ever, and it never, ever happened again. So crazy. I totally... Wink, wink, that. nudge, nudge, right? And I'm sure. Abolish it. <laughs> Do what? Just said abolish it. Burn it down. Right. I know the Redwoods have like survived this long, but I'm sorry. They're going to have to die. Well, you know, they're they're working on that themselves. We'll we'll talk about that. In a oh, good. Excellent. I feel good about that. Then. As I'm sure you can imagine, the people attending the summer camp require some protection. Yeah, I was thinking about that. And it's more than just, you know, camp counselors for middle schoolers. Right. The How are they protected? Them. You ask, well, for one, they hire ex-military to be there year-round. They have your usual, very run-of-the-mill, very normal camp security equipment with things like thermal vision cameras, night vision goggles, motion detectors, and vibration-sensing alarms. My eyes are in the back of my head right now. When summer (laughs) camp is in session, they also enlist the local sheriff's office, California Highway Patrol, and, if warranted by the guest list, the United States Secret Service. 
So uh, taxpayers, we are funding the bill for these yeah. billionaires to play camp. Mm-hmm. I was How that was nice. what I was thinking about when you're talking about presidents being there. I was like, so that means like former presidents or you know, like whatever it was, like I was like, that means all of their secret service detail is there. So I was like, where are they having to stay? They all little pup tents outside. Uh, so they have workers barracks and i assume okay. that's where they would okay. I, I don't gotcha. know though. but yeah, yeah it's uh it's fucking wild and we're paying for it i do know yeah. sonoma county did inform the grove that as of 2019 they would no longer be providing security for them yeah they can afford their own security mm-hmm. and at the beginning i said this whole thing was like super secret squirrel right mm-hmm. so how do we know what goes on here mm-hmm Despite all of the ridiculous security that's in place, there have been several successful infiltrations to this event. Awesome. In the summer of 1980, Rick Kloger gained entrance to the Grove with the help of an employee and posed as a worker during two weekends of the annual camp. His efforts, the first magazine reporting from inside the Grove, were published in August of 1981 an issue of Mother Jones. Around mm-hmm. that same time, ABC Evening News ran a special report on the Bohemian Grove. Mm-hmm. In the summer of 1989, spy magazine writer Philip Weiss spent seven days in camp posing as a guest. I'm not sure who he impersonated, but at this point, the guest list was on a 33-year wait. He's just walking around with a plunger. <laughs> Susie from... <laughs> Well, he was posing as a guest. I don't know. I mean, it's just, but like. The first guy was walking around with a plunger. Yes. Yes. I just, if you, I imagine if you have enough confidence, right? And you just walk around like you are supposed to be there. I bet you're not going to get a lot. Like, what if you were that one guy from Skull and Bones that nobody knew? (laughs) It's this guy. It's him. And then you just show up and like, oh, it's probably, they're like, they're used to seeing maybe somebody who's like, who the fuck is that? That's just that guy from Skull and Bones. And, like, you just walk like you're supposed to be there. And then it's crazy how many things you can get through if you do that. Absolutely. Don't break the law, people listening. But Confidence goes a long way. It does. So it, this led to his 1989 article, Inside the Bohemian Grove, which he was eventually discovered on premises and arrested for trespassing. Whoops. In July 2000. Alex, they're making the frogs gay, Jones, and his cameraman, Mike Hansen, uh, clandestinely entered Bohemian Grove and shot footage of the cremation of care ceremony. Oops. Jones Did you pl- make me Alex Jones? Hmm? Did you make me Alex Jones? The picture? No. Oh, okay. I was just making you a random person in the 60s who stumbled oh, upon okay. it. okay. Cool. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. I was you, like, were not, you were not Alex Jones. I'm no, the no. devil? Nay, nay. Jones claimed it was a ritual sacrifice. From this footage, documentary filmmaker John Ronson produced the episode The Satanic Shadowy Elite, question mark, in which he characterizes the proceedings as basically an overgrown frat party. Mm-hmm. He said, my lasting impression was of an overall pervading sense of immaturity. I wonder whether the Bohemians shroud themselves in secrecy for reasons no more sinister than they just thought it was cool. While Jones produced dark secrets inside the Bohemian Grove, and he had a different take on it, describing what he saw were satanic rituals. I watched a little bit of the Jones, huge air quotes here, documentary. Uh, He kept insisting they were part of the New World Order. There we go. There it is. On January 19th, 2002, Richard McCaslin was arrested after his nighttime infiltration of the Bohemian Grove, where he set several things on fire. He was heavily armed and wearing a skull mask and an outfit that said Phantom Patriot written across the chest, because I guess branding is important when you're committing arson. Unfortunately, that guy did end up committing suicide a few years later. Aww. Um, And the weirdest summer camp ever has also had its share of controversies. So it's only men, right? Women and children yeah. are allowed to come in as guests, but they must be off property by 9 p.m. 
Like, sorry, guys. That's when the D&D game starts. And uh-huh. no you got to get the fuck out. There were a number of lawsuits because they refused to hire female employees. They mm. said being a man was part of the requirements for employment. When asked why, they said part of the whole experience was the freedom to pee literally anywhere you want. And having women around would inhibit that. Nowadays, they are required to hire women, but you must be off-site by 9 p.m. so the pissing matches can commence. I, I disagree. Well, for, I disagree with a lot here, but I have never been in my whole life in the presence of a man who would not turn around, walk three feet away, and go pee. Yeah, they don't want to have to turn around and walk the three feet, literally want- where wherever they want to be. But that's like, okay, but I feel like like common courtesy dictates that you should walk three feet away. You know what I'm saying? We're just all standing in a circle drinking and all of a sudden Tricky Dick whips his dick out. You're like, oh, man, we're all my shoes. <laughs> like, maybe. Yeah. When Philip Weiss broke in, he wrote in his article, you know you're inside the Bohemian Grove when you come down a trail in the woods here piano music from amid a group of tents and then round the bend to see a man with a beer in one hand pissing into the bushes this is the most glorified ritual of the encampment the freedom of powerful men to pee wherever they like a right the club has invoked when trying to fight government anti-sex discrimination efforts and one curtailed only when it comes to a few popular redwoods just outside of the dining circle. So hmm. literally everything else is just covered in pee. Yeah, I don't. I find my my want to infiltrate and take a look at that owl greatly lessened. <laughs> probably covered in pee. Uh, everything on that owl. Everything. Poor Hedwig. Also because. Republicans going to Republican. They've received a lot of negative feedback for their lack of philanthropy among the group. They've got billionaires gathering to do whatever, and they never give back to any communities. Including uh, the one that they're in that, yeah. for that couple of weeks. They've also gotten into a lot of in trouble with environmentalist groups outside of the central camp areas, which is a site of old growth grove. The other 2,700 acres owned by the Bohemian Club, they've had logging going on since 1984. They've had approximately 11 million board feet of lumber removed from the surrounding Redwood and Douglas fir forest. Oh, no. The club's forester, Edward Tunheim, resigned his post in 2006 over pressure to increase logging. He said, fuck you, I'm out. It's the Redwood Forest. It's in one of our national songs. They don't care. Morgan, I, there's no, money don't. to be made. That's, yeah. Silly, silly me. Tenheim was concerned that excessive logging would encourage more brushy undergrowth and thus increase the chance for fire. Yeah. The club I disagreed, guess. saying it needed to log in order to clear out the undergrowth that would catch fire. Philip Rundell, University of California, Berkeley professor of biology said that the redwoods are not very flammable and this is clearly a logging project and not yeah. an effort to reduce fire hazard. Oh, there goes his invite. He's not going. Yeah, <laughs> no, he is strictly uninvited. Yeah. They tried to get a special permit for logging, but they owned too much land to qualify for it. I didn't really dig super deep into it, but I think it's more of like a personal use permit thing. Uh, mm-hmm. So they ended up donating a bunch of land and selling off some so they could get their acreage within the limits to continue fucking up the environment. Perfect. Yeah, that mean that. Look, I want to be it upset with all that. Uh, everything tracks. It checks yeah. out. Yeah. Uh, if you lawsuit... had been like, these are the people that are there and this is where they're at. Give me a top five list of things you think that they would be doing. <laughs> We've had a lot of them. We've had a mm-hmm. lot of the checklists. Mm hmm. Lawsuits ensued. They're no longer allowed to log on their property anywhere since 2007, and they can't cause more fire hazards for everyone. Yay! Yay. Due to the secretive nature, we can't know who all the members are for sure, or Mm -hmm. who all the guests who attended have been. 
but mm -hmm. some pretty big players have been quoted in discussing it. Mm -hmm. President Herbert Hoover was a member, and he achieved the old guard status, being a member for more than 40 years. Yeah, that tracks out, and also he can go straight to hell. Yep. Ronald Reagan, in his drag era, performed there. <laughs> I'm just going with this. This is Yeah, I'm like, oh, like Ronald Reagan, notorious drag performer? Yes, go on. This is canon now. I won't be it hearing is. anything else. Yeah, no, I won't be. Uh, Richard Nixon was caught on tape again. <laughs> talking. Oh my gosh. I was taking a sip of my drink. So Richard Nixon caught on tape. Man, that guy's got to start looking for a while. <laughs> he was caught talking about upper class San Franciscan. Uh, real quick, I I'm quoting here. I, I didn't write this. Um, the Bohemian Grove, which I do attend from time to time, is the most faggy goddamned thing you could ever imagine with that San Francisco crowd. Oh, my gosh. Okay, so, okay, I laugh because, uh, not because saying faggy is, is, is funny. It is just that that was the most Richard Nixon thing uh -huh. I could have heard. <laughs> Listen. He was just like, yeah, I went from time to time, but they're fucking weird. Yeah. They just pee on everything. <laughs> but I do still go sometimes. I mean, I still go because I have to make business deals. Like, wink, know. wink, nudge, nudge. Wait, no, I don't. Wait, no, I don't. We don't. We leave it at the door when we cremate our cares. <laughs> <laughs> Former President Bill Clinton once, while being heckled, said, the Bohemian Club. Did you just say the Bohemian Club? That's where all those rich Republicans go up and stand naked against the redwood trees, right? I've never been to the Bohemian Club, but you ought to go. It'd be good for you. You should get some fresh air. <laughs> these things that you're saying are so in character for these people. <laughs> I mean, I've never been. All right, Bill. All right. Well, because he's not a Republican, so. I, I can't imagine how weird a, a place has to be for Bill Clinton to be like, no, I'm out. Like, I just. Right? Like, you have the Monica Lewinsky like... cigar, and you're down for that. But whatever is going on here. Yeah. Yeah, like so you're Richard, not about. Like, yeah, I'll go from time to time because I have to like close a deal. But other than that, I don't want to go there. He's <laughs> like, I am not trying to see Ronald Reagan in drag. This is not. And then for Bill Clinton to be like, yeah, that's they're way too weird. Yeah, he's like, does that? No, you should go though. You would probably like it there. You could. <laughs> you. He pulled a full Taylor Swift and was like, you need to calm down. <laughs> you should go outside more. And he's like, sorry, I'm from Arkansas. We don't do that there. <laughs> he's like, we have the common decency to walk three feet away before we start pissing. <laughs> sorry, I don't piss on people's shoes while we're standing in a circle. It's really not my thing. These are very expensive shoes. Uh, and that is the story for the Bohemian Grove. For this, I just focused on the camp. There is also a secondary building in San Francisco that's part of the club. And mm -hmm. I think it's more professional. Ladies are only allowed on the first floor. It, oh. It's just all so weird. I didn't read a whole up, up on it a whole lot. But I assume the upstairs is just filled with potted plants that reek of piss. But I was going to say, well, knows? I hope it's tile up there. <laughs> <laughs> and these oh are the not-so-secret secret societies. And, you know, the... The cults that aren't not not cults. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely not not a cult. <laughs> it's just a cult of peeing. <laughs> oh, gross. I just want to pee wherever. Yeah, me too. <laughs> that doesn't mean I can. I'm a girl. Trust me. I know what it means to have to be in the woods and need to pee. But, you know, we all walk off. <laughs> oh, nope. my God. Just drop their trousers right there. Oh man, that sounds awful. I don't want to see that owl at all. Could you imagine <laughs> the black clad on that owl? Oh, oh, he's like, oh, what's <laughs> I seen too much. Whoa, uh, this was a good episode. This was what good. if his name was Tricky Dick? Not because he told lies, but because <laughs> Morgan, he just never knew. Are we putting it in canon that if the timeline was slightly altered, Richard Nixon and R. Kelly would be best friends? Probably. I can't see why not. 
R. Kelly would probably be quiet at home on the Bikini Grove. I'm like, oh, we pissing on everything. Perfect. <laughs> oh, shit. Oh, my God. <laughs> so weird. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Well, what an interesting episode. <laughs> Thank you, Michael and Eric. And apologies once again. I'd like to say it would never be repeated, but there are so many musicals. But yeah, so I guess so I don't think we have anything else to add. And I have to get to yoga. So we will see you or talk to you guys next time. But in the meantime, you can catch us. You can actually email us if you'd like. There are a few things you could probably, maybe you want to contribute to this particular episode. Historywoes at gmail.com. You can also find us on our Patreon at forward slash historywoes. You can find us on our Instagram at forward slash historywoes which is also where our link tree is. And you can listen to your podcast or our podcast rather, or your whatever podcast, wherever your podcasts are streaming. And we will talk to you guys next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.